Hi, and welcome to all you like-minded nerds. Wendy and I just want to express our gratitude for all your lovely encouragement and ideas as we start discussing cosmism and planetary close encounters as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm completely new to all of these ideas and theories, whereas Wendy has a good couple of years on me. But together, we hope to spark conversation and serve as a guidepost to greater resources as we all prepare for the second coming. In these discussions, we are starting by having a book discussion of Anthony Larson's trilogy. These three books give a great primer to Velikovsky's paradigm shifts. We are so excited that you are interested and willing to go on this journey with us. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. Okay, continuing. Um, so it talks about the mighty wind. Um, it, you know, it's just a, a short little sentence here, but um, hurricanes of incredible strength and velocity that, that were happening. Um, the walls of water, I think, is a, a very interesting um, one. He uh, says, in the Velikovsky scenario, these walls of water were not as close as Cecil B. DeMille portrayed them in his, his film Epoch, but were far more awesome. Tides created by the gravitational pull of the comet would have been thousands of feet high. The Israelites would have seen them far beyond the horizon. And <laughs> I was just like, holy cow, I can't even imagine um, to, to be an Israelite. You know, like they're, they're fleeing from the Egyptians, confronted with this water. And not only is he parting the, <laughs> the waves, but I mean, this is like massive. If you're looking at it in this context, like, whoa, what just happened? And um, oh. with the, the mighty wind that uh, is being kicked up, that the seabed um, lay before them uncovered and dried by the wind. Like, hmm, makes a lot of sense now that you can have kind of that, uh, that image in your mind kind of thing. Yeah, and then kind of take that image and kind of place that filter over Joshua uh -huh. and, and, and then crossing, crossing the Jordan River. Similar, not, I don't think it was as big, definitely, but they crossed over on dry ground. And, um, and, and, but the passing through that, um, you know, with the Passover of the Lord and, and crossing through the waters is very, I don't know if we can talk about that right now, but the symbolism of, of entering into a covenant there that we're being buried and then rise again, you know, with our, our baptism covenants and, um, and all our covenants really that, that there's a cutting of the covenant there with, we, we acknowledge our, our, um, our utter need for, for the Lord and that we are, we are nothing without him. And then we, we, the, the cutting of the covenant with, you know, those waters spreading like that. Um, and, and um, that mighty wind too. There's so much symbolism with wind and um, the power of God and the scriptures. Whenever you see wind, it's it's um, it, there's it's always connected with either judgment or or the Lord blessing His people. There's a there's unto blessing or to cursings, right? And they passed mm -hmm. through and they were delivered because of the covenant and um, brought out of captivity, which is what we are we're here on and this this pattern repeats throughout scripture and throughout every age, even as we are, we, we descend or, or, or even ascend. Um, hopefully we'll be doing that ascent soon, but um, there's, there's that, that bond that we have with Christ that, um, that brings either blessings or cursings. And so 
if we're in the covenant and you're righteous, then the, the, I don't know about this. I mean, it's not temple stuff, but it's like, you know, you've heard of the, oh, I don't know if this is the best place to bring it up, but the um, plumb line, you know, the plumb line is, is a, is an important part of covenants. If you go look that up and look at the symbols associated with that, it's about, you know, judgment and where are we in that? Um, are we, are we going to, when, when the Lord puts down his plumb line, which actually has to happen in the heavens, um, are, are we on the side of the Lord and are we going to be blessed? And so this planet Venus is, is an arch, archetype, but it's a really a, a messenger from the Lord as a, an angel coming down to administer covenants to a people, right? You think of temple covenants and it's, and, and so it's, um, it's, ah, oh, my computer just went off, <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I'm going on a, on a huge tangent there, but when I see these things, I see it so much better than just these scientific things. And I, I want mm -hmm. people to kind of open their minds to like, yeah, there's definitely a temporal aspect because we need that. We need to see the Lord coming to us in a physical electroplasma like revelation, like, can we literally become a satellite to a high king? Like we are becoming temples and our bodies unto him. Like, can we bring the covenants of God to other people and, and to our ancestors and whatnot? But it's, it's, we, we have to go through another Passover. And can we pray that those things are going to be brought about for us, the blessings for us and our families and those that are in the covenant that and that we can be delivered from evil and dark and that we can trust that the lord will take care of that part of the cursing not that we want to curse anybody but people have to to get the there's there's consequences anyway you can <laughs> i'm going off um so so i don't know where we were at but but the walls of water i just i love that and i think of the prophecies of how it like the days of um, in the day of the Lord, we're going to see such more and much more greater miracles than we, than we've ever seen on the earth, greater than, than the parting of the Red Sea. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting. And yeah. like President Nelson said, we have so much to look forward to. I love it. Yeah. When you were uh, talking about the, uh, the water splitting and, and walking through the, the covenant kind of a thing, it reminded me of Abraham's story right before he is taken up to receive the, um, the, the vision of all, the Lord lays out a a process or recipe, I guess you could say, um, of lots of different sacrificial animals, and he has to display them and walk through them in order to, to receive and, and to ascend. And I, it was just interesting how um, the Israelites walking through the, the two parted... Um, uh, the two parts and, and how Abraham walks through the two parts and many national covenants are, are portrayed that same way. Very interesting. I love that. So the next part that it talks about is the releasing of the waters, which I think is interesting because I, I don't know, I never knew that there could be an explanation for that. But um, it talks about that as the last of the Israelites, um, reached the the other side there was a giant spark so similar to a lightning bolt seen in a thunderstorm yet much greater arced between the earth and the comet 
and this served to lessen the attraction of the comet on the waters of the Earth, and it released the comet's grip of the waters and uh, uh, allowed those to, to go back in and, and flood over the Egyptians, etc. So I, I found that very interesting that, um, you know, just kind of playing the, the movie out in my mind, right? And they're, they're going through, this is crazy, and then there's a, a lightning bolt or a spark that arcs between the two and, and releases the water, like... I want to see that movie. I want to see that portrayed. <laughs> yeah. So cool. <laughs> and it would totally, I could see that happening. Uh-huh. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be amazing. Um, so take us through like the, the pillar of fire and, and smoke here, because I found this one super intriguing, kind of a, a paradigm shift for me. Mm, yes. You know, I didn't, I didn't remember after reading Velikovsky um, about the, the um, what do you call it? The collapsed sky with all, there's just cloudy. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, that would totally make sense. So this was really good for me to read after the fact to, to kind of even piece together all the, anyway, and, and for, to remember it's been a while since I read Velikovsky. But um, so the, the, the head is, is the, and often portrayed throughout um, different different ages and different cultures, as that's the the god of light. You know, there's the um, as as a that's the light of the Lord. I mean, so bright, and the tail um, often looked like that serpent. And um, there's that elect electrical phenomenon to him. But we're going to get into that later. But um, but yeah, it would look like. I guess it, it definitely could look like um, like a pillar of fire in the sky because of the the tail uh, and the comet through the clouds there. I think that that is a really interesting um, to image. I like that, and then of course the pillar of fire is very symbolic of covenants, and mm -hmm. um, and would follow them. And I like how he talked about how you know maybe how that was over. You know, would he he put forth three different no just two different possibilities of why it was in front of them and then behind them but um i love that's one of my favorite parts in scripture um in in how the lord um told him to be still you know mm -hmm. see the salvation of the lord and and seeing trying to imagine that in the sky of him actually being temporarily there because a lot of times i feel like yeah spiritually he'll help me like get through it but no he's literally there's he's really here you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, and even more so in the coming days, like we will see the temporal um, and, and the hand of the Lord literally, as well as spiritually. Mm -hmm. Gives me yeah. hope. I love that. So, like, this is still something that I'm not totally envisioning in my head. But like, what does the the pillar or column of light look like in the kind of collapsed sky or um, in in this kind of scenario here are we talking like like a pillar of light like the first vision kind of a thing just just a, a simple pillar of light are we talking a um kind of a triangular um uh kind More of like, like a mountain, mountain yeah like the, the mountain of the lord kind of a thing and it, maybe it could be either one that's a really good point but it seems like with pillar it'd probably be um straight because mm -hmm. pillar to me it's um it's very symbolic of of the way uh, and the the straight and narrow path and the 
and um, being inside those bounds of that covenant, um, mm-hmm. being connected to the Lord, like yoked to the Lord. Anyway, so there's there's a lot of sil- symbolism there with, um, so I think it was just a pillar. For me, I just, I, I see just a pillar. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that I guess with the clouds, if it's this very cloudy sky, it's diffused um, and maybe they is almost in a, in a sense veiled from them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they still, they, they knew, I mean, they've had all these experiences with the comet. And um, so, so yeah, it's, I, I'm not sure how big it was or whether it was vertical or horizontal, or, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know, but, um, but it, it seems like it, in, in this hypothesis that it's is veiled somehow. And it's interesting you think about, you know, with the Lord coming down onto the Mount Sinai and the people being afraid of, of coming into his presence and, and hearing the sound and the, you know, seeing all the thunder, thunder and the lightning and shaking um, and almost saying, we'll, we'll worship you, and, but we, we don't want to become a part of you in a sense. We don't want to you know what I mean? That's, yeah. it's something so like foreign to them. They, they don't want to change. And so with, with the veil there, um, I think it was a mercy and, I, and, and it makes, it feels good to me to think of that as, as veiled. If seeing that pillar of fire, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Um, so maybe, maybe it was really seen mostly very well at night and not so well during the day because it was diffused, just like we can't see, you know, the stars at all and the sun and, and the moon as well as, it, as we can at night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's feels good to think about. And I, I try to see if, you know, if there's something like that, that helps me bring me closer to Christ. And it's like, well, that seems like a good see then i i ponder on that more that's how i i'm just on my process <laughs> i love it yeah yeah and so the the next section here the battle in the sky is the second one that i was like i want a movie of this because <laughs> it uh yeah. toward the end here it says that this battle in the sky is almost a universal theme in literature of cultures around the world it so impressed the witnesses that it was recorded by ancient peoples in their myths monuments records and rituals and so um mm-hmm. anyway I, this is never something that i've i've heard it's not like i really study mythology or anything <laughs> i used to when i was a kid i used to think that greek mythology was so cool but i i've long <laughs> moved away from that but um interesting looking at this specific scenario here so as the comet passed the earth a display of cosmic proportions arrayed itself before all mankind the comet was then close enough that its brightness broke through the clouds and its head and tail appeared to be separate entities. The head was a light god, the tail a snake or a serpent. And so we have bolts of lightning leaping between the head and the tail of the comet, causing the tail to move or writhe as a snake. The god was doing battle with the serpent, and the conflict was accompanied by great meteorite showers pelting the earth. As the comet moved away, um, eventually, uh, <laughs> summarizing uh, this this account here, that uh, it eventually goes beyond the horizon, and the the god or the light god, the head of the comet, um, is defeating the the serpents that it's doing battle with, and um, just kind of looking 
I, I was Googling some different um, uh, mythologies around, uh, you know, this great battle, but huh, they, they all are painting a very similar picture um, where Zeus or any of the, the, the main gods are, are doing battle. And um, <laughs> I can't even imagine what it must have mm -hmm. been like to be fleeing the Egyptians, walking through the water or on dry land uh, through the Red Sea there, and then watching this battle in the sky, like, what is happening to our earth? Like, are we, like, are we going to make it out of this? Like, <laughs> I can't even imagine um, having anything even similar playing out in our skies and me not wanting to go, okay, I'm just going to go hide and <laughs> hopefully repent because I'm going to die because this is too much. <laughs> but um, anyway, mm -hmm. I, I found hiding caves. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's just go hide from this because there, there's literally this is way bigger than we can even fathom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there. This is where there's so much evidence, and part of me wishes he would have started with this um, as the beginning thesis to why why Venus um, plays such a big role in the Exodus, and um, because there's so much. A, worldwide about um seeing venus and even worshiping venus and yeah um unfortunately it, it became that but that that battle in the sky with a leviathan you know the the this, this dragon yeah it's in it's in every culture and they saw it in the heavens um and it was so it was so impactful we still remember it there's almost like a the one of the thunderbolt theories when they, they've got some psychoanalytic stuff on there about it. um they got lots of different sciences but uh just how there's this this um almost like ptsd trauma in our dna that mm -hmm. that has this you know we're this worry about um the apocalypse you know what i mean because we experienced it many times and so we you know we go to the theaters to almost like relive it and um, not, you know, it's almost like releasing some of that PTSD in a sense. Yeah. Anyway, so they've got this theory and, and Velikovsky went into it too, didn't he? About, um, about how that, that uh, worldwide, um, worldwide experience is still in our psyche in a sense. So mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I, it's so intriguing to, to think about that because I mean, that's just... Not something that we talk about in Sunday school. <laughs> yeah, right. Huh, interesting, and and how that plays in, and and like you said, we're always trying to bring this back to the gospel, to Christ, and everything. We see many different allusions and uh, things to it in Scripture. Like you said, Leviathan, dragon, we um, uh, fighting the serpent, kind of a thing. We even have it in in our endowment, and. Um, it is a universal theme. The, the Lord works in patterns and it's to help us <laughs> to release that PTSD, to, to work in faith and not fear. Like things are going to play out again, but those that fear men's hearts will fail them in, in the last days. And we have that in many different contexts and many different senses, I think. But, um, mm -hmm. Uh, like, like I said just a second ago, like my first reaction would be like, okay, well, it's over. <laughs> Let's just go hide kind of a thing, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. actually working with it. And, uh, like the Lord was leading the people, uh, following the Lord, even amidst utter seeming chaos kind of mm -hmm. a thing. And being able to be like, thank you, Lord, for, for yeah. this, 
um, miracle, right? Can we be in gratitude for that? And like, my father, where would you like me to go? Where do you want me to be during this? You know, who, who needs me? You know what I mean? How yeah. can we be agents of action and having faith, which is action in a, in a Lord that has these characteristics and attributes of a God of glory and light? And can we have faith that our, you know, I'm, I'm kind of building off your last book study, right? The, the lectures on faith of if we can have that correct idea and know that our path is in alignment to where he wants us, then we can have faith in him. And then our path is his path. You know what I mean? And then we're not in fear because we know we are of the covenant and we are within those bounds and we will pass. Yes, he will pass over, uh, the, the destroying angel will pass over us because we are saved because of Jesus Christ and his mm-hmm. blood that has cleansed our garments, that we have the wedding garment on, that we are of the covenant and are safe and shielded by him. Now we will experience some catastrophes. We are, we have to be meek enough to be like, there's still something I need to learn. Mm-hmm. And I need to, maybe it's that I need to learn how to access that power. Now there's, there's actually going to be more electrical power on the earth at that time though. And it's not here yet. We, we need to pray it here. We need to have, be able to do those miracles. But when there's more of that, whatever electrical plasma glory of God, that's now here, those miracles are going to be um, much more like we're going to be able to access them better. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like um, yeah. that, that, the speed barrier has been broken. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know how to say it. Or we are, we're already kind of past the hardest part. So anyway. Mm, I love it. So it uh, seems like a tangent, but I think it ties in. <laughs> but um, when uh, President Irene in his conference talks and, and in some other uh, different talks that he gives about the, the Teton Dam break and the flood and, and everything that happened there, how we even though we didn't see it coming or were able to prevent it or, or anything like that, like the catastrophe still happened, but yet we had the proper responses because of what the Lord had helped us prepare with uh, food storage and, and just being able to like jump in and actually do our work and how that applies to an end time scenario. Like some of these things we're <laughs> it's going to be totally new uh, yes, it, it does follow patterns, but there's going to be some unexpected things that were just like, mm-hmm. whoa, didn't see it playing out like that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I do know what to do. I know what my mission is. And I know that we, we follow the Lord. We, uh, we know all of the things, um, the, I, I guess, the emergency plan uh, to, to put in place at, at such a given time. So I think that that's very interesting how the Lord is constantly preparing us and um yeah anyway yeah he is he's he's got us he's got us we can trust him yeah for sure um so this next section talks about the food from god now this one i think was probably like my favorite of the whole thing because it was just something (laughs) that i've never considered before but like oh cool um so he says no matter what it's called manna ambrosia heavenly bread food of the morning dew honey from the clouds, amorite, or great dew. Um, I didn't know that there were so many names for it. I've just always called it manna. <laughs> but um, <laughs> taking it and um, 
saying it was what the people of the world ate for years after the destruction, were it not for the honey-flavored bread-like stuff which precipitated from the Earth's saturated atmosphere, man and animal alike would have perished. And so, um, I don't know, have you had some scientific background in your, <laughs> your oh, teaching? Oh, no, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> what, it's you haven't weird. made manna in a lab? <laughs> You're really so. cool, though, to to uh, perform that experiment in the laboratory. But it's <laughs> the, the atmosphere is so complex. I was just teaching it, um, you know, and, and weather and um, it to my students. And there's so many, I'm just like, I'm supposed to teach this to eighth graders. This is like, you know, there's a ton of physics, there's a ton of chemistry. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so cool to, to think of. Um, and it was documented, like all over the world that there was this, like all those names, um, and that it just precipitated out of the air, and it, it fed man and beast. Um, and what a what a blessing from the Lord, you know, that yeah. his miracles are, his ways are not our ways he can, he can do these, um, you know, it's the, the hydrocarbon, you know, using the, what we talked about before about the petroleum. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, but I'm just kind of, I think yeah. drawing it back to that concept of the, if, if it's in the atmosphere and from this, the planet and there's microbes in the air, they're, they're theorizing that this, this is their, um, the, the theory that Velikovsky has is that there must've been microbes in the air that then changed, um, in the like a you know chemical process there to to it becoming uh nutritious um sweet and um like what is it <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which is what mana means right what is it yeah. but um but for 40 it was for 40 years right <laughs> that's a long time that venus was in and having this interaction with the earth but mm -hmm. i mean that's what angels do for us. And when God sends, when we think of an angel, it's a person, but it's also, it can be a planet as well. It's mm. a, ministering, a ministering planet. I love it. So this little uh, side note that he has here, I, th I find very interesting because I didn't know this at all, but it says, in light of this idea, it's interesting to note that since 1971, protein has been manufactured from petroleum in Britain and France and mixed with other ingredients to make a highly nutritious animal feed. The technology exists for producing edible protein and fats directly from petroleum. And I'm like, okay. So cool, right? Like, <laughs> when I think petroleum, I think of like gas, like fueling our car kind of a thing. And I'm like, uh -huh. how is that <laughs> sweet and edible and, and even remotely associated with manna? But, but I, anyway, this, this section was just opening up a whole new paradigm shift for me. Yeah, so cool. But they didn't say there that the, that the edible protein was sweet. I doubt they oh. made it very sweet. <laughs> uh <-huh. Yeah. laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. It's, <laughs> Those animals are living rich. <laughs> uh, like, give it to the animals, and if they're starving, they'll eat it. No, <laughs> uh -huh. I think God was very kind of how, and how he prepared it so that at least it was sweet. I yeah. think that's really great. Exactly. And so the, the last paragraph there, it says, as this precipitate, the Israelites' manna fell on water, an unusual thing happened. The water became sweet to the taste and turned creamy, white color. Hence, the phrase, a land flowing with milk and honey, was not so much poetic as a statement of fact. And I was like, that, that one like blew my, my brain when I first hit it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, oh, that makes a, a lot of sense. And uh, just... Uh, 
interesting parallel to to some of the prophecies that say that that he will lead us to a, a land flowing with milk and honey like hmm. interesting yeah they 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 use metaphors of things that we would understand right they would they mm -hmm. understand that prophecy because it referred to this and they do it all the time throughout scripture they're referring to these miracles and we some we we need to see that it's exciting right to mm -hmm. see that it's yeah. really fun I love it. So walk us through the theophany section here, because I found this one very interesting, but yet at the same time, I'm like, whoa, what are the implications here of the more, I guess, scientific approach to, to theophany with Mount Sinai? Yeah. So the, the sound, um, when, with trumpets and, um, it's, it, and, you know, we think of Revelation, you know, and the trumpet sounding, it could be that there is, there's, uh, it's an electro, uh, sorry, there's, plas um, there's plasma interactions between different electromagnetic uh, bodies, um, or they're coming closer to us and we're feeling that. I'm not sure exactly what, is, what, what it creates it, but there's sound and there's sound in creation. There's sound, um, in law giving, like when we think of our interactions with the Lord, it's because of revelation, right? And there's actually, we're receiving the word of God into our bodies and it changes us. Um, the, the bless the, the water and the bread and it's actually being changed, you know, and we partake of it. Um, and so we're, we're partaking of the Lord and we're, we're partaking of him in so many different ways there. And so anyway, going back to, theophany and um and hearing actually hearing um his name now i'm not as good at hebrew as you are so please say it in how is yahweh <laughs> right <laughs> uh -huh. yahweh is is, is spelled j-h-w-h -H. they don't use the they don't they don't even spell it do they or they don't just uh, use the yeah, vowels. Yeah, so the yod he vav he, but nobody uh -huh. necessarily knows how it's supposed to sound because of the uh, intonations and, and canticles or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it's always written, but they but no one ever speaks it because it's so sacred kind of a thing. And isn't that interesting? Just in that sentence, or a couple of sentences, Cameron, it's, it's the sound is sacred. His name is sacred you know in conference which they, they there's talk about you know his names like there's power in just for me just saying his name um and it might not even be the best like version of his understanding his true name um and being able to speak with him you know in and know his name yeah. i mean there's so much implications there about names and it's about it's there's, there's a sound there's a vibration there's frequency there's light that actually helps us ascend right and and so with this law giving in the, in the um at the mount sinai um and the lord inviting them into his presence but you know it's it's hard for people if they're being invited and they're like this is fearful for me i can't go there then that's what they see. They they see it as a fearful experience, and and so 
so you know people that saw you know venus in in the sky and and you know this battle going on and and whatnot are they are, are they seeing the lord in it or or they worship are they you know worshiping venus with animal sacrifices right i'm just kind of dropping back to that or are they they seeing you know these interactions between planets um and what it looks like and and things other things going are they you know that there are fertility cults that that's how they worship their gods because that's what they're coming at it from right they're they're feeling they're mirror their experience is mirrored from what they see the lord mirrors that back to them and i don't know if that's the best way to say it but if we can come to a an, uh, this experience uh, as in a temple experience and be able to to see the lord as he is and and um you know and they all prophets when they talk about coming into the presence of the lord they feel very inadequate but mm -hmm. that's okay because we are but the lord died for us so that we can be at his side so that we can inherit all that he has because it's it's like we are his you know we are his and he is perfect so we don't have to be so anyway i just sorry i'm getting all emotional because i just i adore him and i adore my covenant with him and and i really want to experience i really want to experience that and can we get to that place where we're anticipating it and praying him here instead of being worried about him coming do you know what i mean yeah so i'm excited <laughs> you can't tell <laughs> i know it's exciting stuff mm -hmm. but yeah as it's uh referencing here different cultures around the world heard this it wasn't just at at sinai but um that it's mm -hmm. all That's some true. kind of variation of this um this why or this uh yahoo uh Yahweh, uh, Yahweh, Joel, um, many different um, intonations of it, but yet uh, very similar and, and pointing at the, the same kind of a thing. And if it is this, um, what he, he talks about here, magnetic oscillations, possibly becoming audible or, or whatever it is mm -hmm. here, like how do you translate that into your spoken language? You do the best you can, but it's so sacred that mm -hmm. can only be felt and um you know book of mormon uh tie-ins there where they are hearing the the voice three times not understanding and then um all of the feels that they're going through at, at christ's coming to them and ministering to them personally but um uh we have many different tie-ins you know with um the kirtland temple dedication the the voice of many waters um i it kind of helped me understand why people are describing it in different ways that, oh, it might not necessarily be uh, like a, a spoken uh, human interaction kind of a thing, like why aren't you understanding the language, but but the, the actual energy, the vibrations that are mm -hmm. coming from this, that we're just doing the best we can to, to describe what's happening, what we're feeling, but yet it's not... Um, something that can be conveyed in in that way kind of a thing anyway I, I just love that um so he gives kind of a, a summary of everything that we've talked about so far and then uh, kind of points us forward to 
future chapters and, and things about uh, other planetary encounters. So this isn't just constrained to Venus, but as Venus is <laughs> kind of on this um, war path, I guess you'd say, that uh, it interacts with Mars and, and throws it off, and Mars comes and, and interacts with the Earth at, at points as well. And um, anyway, there's <laughs> it's so much different than the sky we have today and, and what we're um, doing with, with um, uh, what was it, the uniformitarianism or gradualism oh. <laughs> approach, but um, having planets have encounters uh, closer than, than our current orbits and, and things. So what kind of takeaways or, or things were, were you pulling out from, from this section that uh, you found interesting? Honestly, I was like thinking just about like with Mars, especially with um, when it first encountered the Earth. What was the year that you that we uh, kind of narrowed it down to? Seven forty-seven here um, with the founding of Rome. Um, mm -hmm. What seems to be the the first that we have recorded? Okay, and I think that that falls within the timeline of uh, Uzziah. Uh, King of Judah. Anyways, just thinking about the Come Follow Me study this week in Amos. And, and uh, Velikovsky has a chapter on this too, about Amos. Um, and that was one of my favorite parts of the book, um, of him talking um, when you reminded me <laughs> of it. But because there's so much science in there, but I loved it when he tied in the scriptures. Um, but in the very first verse, in the first chapter of Amos, you know, it's talking about two years before the earthquake, you know, the, the days of Uzziah. And he said, the Lord will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. I mean, you see that, all that, that key, that key understanding is, is so wonderful. I love, I love seeing that in the scriptures now. And the habitations of the shepherd shall mourn and the top of Carmel shall wither. Um, Anyway, so as it goes through these chapters, he's talking about judgment of different, um, different people of, of Abraham, really, um, different cities and people of the covenant, I believe, but maybe I'm wrong. But they, um, the Lord has been drawing them back to him, trying and being patient with them, but the plumb line has dropped. And the sense is like, okay, judgment is coming and all this light of fire and... Um, you know, but I will send a fire upon Judah and devour the palaces of Judah. And um, anyway, so there's so many evidence. I, I can't pull them all out, but I just, I was just thinking of, you know, like, so Mars is overhead then, you know, as, you know, two years before the earthquake, a great, great earthquake um, when these, these things happen that are um, recorded in history. And, um, and we have it in our scriptures. And, um, and so wouldn't the Lord want us to like seek out that understanding and understand more. And even King um, Hezekiah, there was another encounter, you know, with the blast mm -hmm. from heaven, the angel of the Lord saving, saving Jerusalem from the King of Assyria. You know, there was also even interesting, like a, a, the King was sick. There was a plague. I, I wonder about there. Um, but the, the dial, the sundial went back 10 degrees. The rotation of the earth changed. 
I mean, there's these little pieces I love. I love seeing it in scripture almost every week, it seems like in our Come Follow Me study in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, um, but a lot of that, um, especially most of the most of the chapters throughout the Bible, um, when we see that, it's it's Mars, as, as it seems from after reading Velikovsky. Yeah. Um, um, I'm trying to think, I had a question come up, but now I lost it. No. <laughs> there, there's just so much here that's so fascinating and so many different uh, trips to, to go down. But, um, you know, what I liked out of uh, Velikovsky too is in his um, investigation of the Iliad uh-huh. and um, and just drawing it to, it's, it's a story about the planets, really, and it's really cool. I really like like that too i'm not a big mythological person but um but now i think i am (laughs) (laughs) so that was uh one of the questions i I had posed to you the other day right that like i don't know i i grew up with uh, kind of some mythology like oh yeah i think that this is so cool to to look at and read and stuff and then um just kind of in my personal studies and and the lord really uh showing me what um, idolatry is and how to, to leave Babylon behind kind of a thing. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't have any time for anything else but the Lord kind of a thing. And then um, uh, quite a few different uh, friends and, and things are looking at um, different mythologies and saying, oh yeah, there's lots of these stories that are very, uh, I guess, uh, worthy of our, our time to, to look into from different mythologies, from different cultures, um, their art and their, their storytelling uh, all point us to, to different things. And I'm just like, mm, I, I'm just so off put by it. But at the same time, through reading uh, different aspects of how the, the ancients experienced some, some crazy stuff and they wrote, um, fictions about it like how else do you describe all of these different things and and tell that to future generations putting it in story form you know like you mentioned like the iliad mm-hmm. and, and story different form mm-hmm. so that it can be passed down so that um we do remember um some of these things that have happened and and can happen in the future type of a thing and so i think that <laughs> it's almost not reverted me back but um it it's interesting how the Lord can lead you away from something, but then he'd be like, but make sure to take that one little aspect with you as you um, <laughs> do study and, and and think of things in, in the future, because some of that has a lot of interesting tie-ins. And so uh, just looking today, I was reading some, some different things about um, like Venus and, and how she was birthed in mythology and taking that and applying it to, okay, what did the ancients see in the sky? And how does that reference um, her her birth, her conception kind of a thing? And, and what might that mean? And so it was very in- interesting how you were saying, oh, well, that's kind of changed. We don't really think that, that Venus is, is born um, from Jupiter kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, okay. So, so what else in the mythology might point to some possible clues there and and things so i don't know i'm still going back and forth on my Mm -hmm. (laughs) opinions of of mythology and uh different cultures of the world but 
anyway it's just, just all interesting that was a yeah <laughs> i'm glad that yeah we're got to be open to finding truth wherever it is right mm -hmm. and um being able to discern it with the spirit and and hearing him in it um but that's it's very important that we um let go of the unbelief right yeah. and let that be released receive the truth um but no does it testify of christ and if it's pulling us off and starting you know I mean, I, I, I love thinking about the divine feminine um, and, the, and I have things just almost, it seems like about that, it will just come to me as I study about Christ. But if I start to go down that path and try to find more about it, yeah. I, I get in trouble. I, I don't know. That's me, but I feel like it just, um, what's the best oh like just like distill like the dues from heaven like dnc 121 i think right well and and that's what it feels like to me for for some of these things it's it's it um the puzzle pieces just come right and they the, the lord will help make put it all together but we, we just keep the focus on christ i guess is yeah. if i'm gonna leave anything with this podcast i guess are we almost done <laughs> but that's my that's that's um he'll help you with it and it's so it's so satisfying and invigorating because you feel like you're getting to know him better right and you're getting to know history and science better and it just it just helped i don't know it helps me feel more grounded in him mm -hmm. instead of like moved about by every wind of doctrine and by everything that's going on in the world too it's like okay i'm okay yeah I've, I'm, I'm receiving revelation that's what we need right mm -hmm. so Exactly. Have fun. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So uh, an interesting thing, not necessarily that I'm trying to go down this, this tangent, but some interesting questions have popped up for me this, this last week of, okay, so if we have idolatry as the, the big sin, right? I mean, everything that, that we have that pulls us away has its origins in idolatry and, and steering away from the one true God. And here in the Exodus, we have, you know, the golden calf. We have lots of different things that the Israelites throughout their ages are, are being pulled away from the one true God. And I had never once considered that these are kind of, um, I don't know, that they can have roots in uh, the cosmic encounters or, or planetary things. And um, anyway, it was just kind of a, a mind shift for me of, huh, what can we learn from that? And what in our future is going to try to pull us away from the one true God and have us worship it rather than, than he? And so... Um, oh, that's I, a great question, Cameron. I love it. <laughs> like you were saying, with the, the Antichrist and, and things that, that are in our future of, huh, Hmm. What can we, uh, so I guess I, this is what I would pose to uh, our audience and our listeners. I would love to hear feedback and, and all of this of what can, or how can we always stay riveted upon the true God and not be um, led to, um, to worship anything else and, and bring idolatry into uh, to our worship in our future encounters and, and things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, can I answer that question right now for, for me, for, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's not becoming drunk with theories. Cause mm. that, I mean, like you can kind of become drunk with too much 
theory of, of what about this? What about that? It's almost like I just need to consume, consume, consume. And I, I take it at the pace that the Lord wants you to take it at and go where he is guiding you. And, um, it's, it's fun that, that way. And, and to take it and take it back to take things, take it to the temple, take it to the scriptures, keep a balance and, you know, temperate in all things. Um, and, um, and yeah, the Lord, the Lord will, will help you keep a balance in it and, and in your heart. And then if it's, yeah, I already shared how I, how I feel about, um, you know, it, it being a good seed, but yeah, don't, it's, it can kind of become becoming drunk with too much theory. So good luck with that. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, so just kind of ending our, our podcast on, on, on that note and, um, uh, inviting all uh, listeners to, to go take a look on our website. Uh, we're going to keep our show notes, uh, the auto transcriptions, anything that we reference, any like websites or, or extra materials, uh, we'll have links to that on the, the website there. So at learningzion.com slash cosmism is where you can listen to this. And um, uh, also there there's a, a new section on there where you can give us feedback or comments or questions that you would like us to maybe address i mean we're not like <laughs> these brainiac experts right but <laughs> like no, no. <laughs> as we do take a look at anthony's books here um if those questions do pop up or if there's some way that we can kind of address those questions even if we don't necessarily have answers but maybe point in, in right directions or oh yeah we know of a resource that kind of handles that um anyway so there's that that comment or, or that feedback form there on that page now that you can go and fill out and um Anyway, thanks for, for listening, and uh, uh, we look forward to uh, all of this learning that, that we're having uh, week to week as we uh, learn about uh, God and, and the scriptures and, and just a new aspect. I love it. All right, thanks, Thank Wendy, for another fun time. <laughs>